0: One of the issues that we have to deal with as we raise our children has to do with the question of fairness. It's hard to be a parent and not hear our children say at least once in their lifetime, but but it's not fair. It's not just our children, however, we experience this. As adults, we've come to realize that sometimes life just isn't fair in this sinful world that we live in. We don't always get what we deserve in life and, and we can work hard and be faithful at our jobs and get passed by when it comes to a promotion or a pay raise. We can study harder than anyone else in our class for that exam and get a lower mark. We can watch our competitors in a sporting event cheat and win when we followed every rule in the book. Now, we've been looking at Psalm 127 and verse 1, which says, Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. But consider, as we examine this verse, how many unbelievers live prosperous and relatively secure lives. And on the other hand, we've seen sincere and godly believers experiencing deep struggle in their personal lives, and some are even persecuted for their faith. Some years ago, I was speaking with a missionary friend who had just come home from India. And he was sitting in an adult Sunday school class listening to the teacher speak about the blessings of God in our lives. And this teacher spoke about how if we want to know the blessings of God, we we need to walk in obedience. And if we obey the Lord, then we have his promise of blessing you will not be in want. And after the class, my friend went up to the Sunday school teacher and said, I, I heard what you said here today. And I'd like to see you teach that in India. He went on to share his experience with believers in India. He told this teacher how these believers walked with God and in many ways put North American believers to shame in their faith and commitment to the Lord Jesus. He also went on to tell them how these <clears throat> same believers had very little to call their own. He he shared some of the hardships he, he had seen in the lives of these sincere believers. And then he said to him, that's why... I'd like to see you to try to teach this, what you taught today in India. Just because we love God does not mean that we're going to be wealthy. Just because we love God doesn't mean that we won't be persecuted and and suffer in this sin-cursed world. Sincere and godly believers all over this world have suffered loss uh, in their lives for the sake of Jesus Christ. There are believers today struggling to find enough food just to survive. There are believers today laying on their deathbed. There are believers today who have just heard of the tragic accident that took the lives of their their children or loved one. And as they grieve over their lot, they look over at the unbelieving neighbor celebrating his or her great fortune in life. Where does all of this leave us as believers? Do we labor in vain? if we do not know the fullness of God's blessing in the way we would like? As we look at the man Job in the Old Testament, he's a classic example of this. He served God with all his heart, but lost his family, friends, wealth, and reputation. And on one occasion, Job, seeing what was happening around him, said, in Job 12 and verse six, the tents of robbers are at peace and those who provoke God are secure who bring their God in their hands. Those who rob others live at peace, said Job. Those who provoke God are secure. And where was Job at this time? He was sitting on an ash heap outside the city. He had lost everything. He was suffering physically. He was wondering where God was. His friends were mocking him. His wife told him to curse God and die. And where had all his labors for God gotten him? Did he serve God in vain? Consider also the words of the priests of Malachi's day who say this in Malachi 3 and verse 14. You have said, it is in vain, it is vain to serve God. What is the profit of our keeping his charge or of walking in mourning before the Lord of hosts? I've met individuals who have begun to wonder what benefit there was or there is in being a Christian. Ever since becoming a Christian, they experienced one obstacle after another. In fact, Job goes on to say in Job 21, verses 7 to 14, listen to what he says. Why do the wicked live, reach old age, and grow mighty in power? Their offspring are established in their presence and their descendants before their eyes. Their houses are safe from fear and no rod of God is upon them. Their bulls breed without fail. Their cow... Calves and does not miscarry. They send out their little boys like a flock, and their children dance. They, they sing to the tambourine and the lyre and rejoice to the sound of the pipe. They spend their days in prosperity, and at peace they go down to Sheol. They say to God, depart from us. We do not desire the knowledge of your ways. Job describes a people who tell God to depart from them, to leave them, but whose lives are filled with abundance, prosperity, dancing, and joy. He watches unbelievers abandon the principles of righteousness and prosper and wonders. Were all his efforts to serve God in vain? As we consider the reality of the prosperity of the wicked and sometimes the persecution and struggles and trials of the righteous, there's a couple of things I want to say about this as we look at the words of the psalmist, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. And the first thing I want us to consider comes from Psalm 73. Psalm 73. The psalmist reflecting on this problem of evil and the prosperity of the wicked begins by sharing with us how he too struggled deeply with this. Listen to what he says. But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled. I almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped when I thought about these things. For I was envious of the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For they have no pangs until death, their bodies are fat and sleek." They're not in trouble as others are. They're not stricken like the rest of mankind. Therefore, pride is their necklace. Violence covers them as a garment. Their eyes swell out through fatness. Their hearts overflow with follies. They scoff and speak with malice. Loftily, they threaten opposition. They sit their mouths against the heavens, and their tongues struts through the earth. And then verse 12, Behold, these are the wicked, always at ease. They increase, in riches. And as he reflects upon this this prosperity of the wicked, listen to his response In as we slip down to verse 10, or verse 13, rather. "'In all in vain,' says the psalmist, "'I've kept my heart clean and washed my hands in innocence. "'For all the day long I have been stricken and rebuked every morning.'" If I had said, I will speak thus, I would have betrayed the generations of your children. But when I thought how to understand this, it seemed to me a wearisome task until I went into the sanctuary of God. Then I discerned their end. Truly, you set them on slippery places, you make them fall to ruin. How they are destroyed in a moment, swept away utterly by terrors, like a dream when one wakes. Oh Lord, when you rouse yourself, you despise them as phantoms. If all there was was this world, then eat, drink, and be merry might be the best way to go, but that is not the case. There is more to life than what we experienced on this sin-cursed earth, and one day we will stand before our judge to give an accounting, and standing at the doorway of eternity, we will see what vanity really is. At the gateway to eternal bliss, we will see how fleeting this world's pleasures are. At the entrance to the city whose streets are gold, we will understand how little we really had in this world. And as we give an accounting of our lives, we will come to grips with how vain our efforts to obtain this world and its pleasures and its riches really was. This brings me to a second point. Not only will we one day see the futility of all of life's pleasures, but the second point I want to make is this. Someone once compared the purpose and will of God to an aquarium on a great ship. And inside this aquarium, the fish bump up against each other and make their decisions and live their lives the way they want to live. But the ship on which that aquarium sits moves consistently to wo- in through the waters to its final def- destination. Consider this in another way. Consider the life of Joseph. Joseph's brothers hated him. Because of his relationship with his father, they sold him into slavery to Egypt. They intended evil for Joseph, but God used what they did to accomplish good and to save the entire nation of Egypt. Joseph becomes second in command and saves Egypt from the great famine that ravaged the land. The brothers made their decision, but God's purpose was even greater. Consider this in the case of the Lord Jesus. He came to this earth and lived among us. He taught the truth and healed our sick. And despite all of these things, he was rejected and crucified on the cross. Evil men determined to kill him in this horrible, horrible way. God, however... Used the evil men did to pay for our sins, and countless lives have been redeemed because of what these evil men did to Jesus. Jonah ran away from God. God sent a storm to threaten the ship, and when the sailors threw Jonah overboard, God sent a fish to take him to shore. And when Jonah preached a message out of bitterness and hatred for the people of Nineveh, God used it to bring salvation to the city. The Apostle Paul fought with all his might against the Christian faith. And one day he was struck by a bolt of of light and blinded. And in that blindness, he heard the voice of the Lord Jesus speaking to him, the one he persecuted. And that day God broke his rebellion and brought him to himself. And Paul becomes one of the greatest missionaries the church has ever known. Listen to the words of Psalm 139. Where shall I go from your spirit? Where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you're there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. There's nowhere I can go or flee from the presence of God. Amos put it this way, as if a man fled from a lion and a bear met him or went into his house and leaned his hand against the wall and a serpent bites him. Can you flee from God? You're the fish in the aquarium, but God is the captain of the sea. Your great palaces... My great palaces will one day be leveled to the ground. Our magnificent plans will all one day seem so petty. And only what God, when God is in what we do, will at last only what he blesses will endure. Consider the words of the Apostle Paul to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. if the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss. So he himself will be saved but only as through fire. Now Paul tells the Corinthians here that the day is coming when their works will be subject to judgment. And if they built on wood, hay, hay, with wood, hay, and straw, their works will be consumed by the fire of God's judgment. Now, when you picture a house of straw, what do you picture? Do you picture a mud hut? How often we, we see the works of wood, hay, and straw as being mud huts, in, in you know, unimpressive. But the fact of the matter is this, is that there are many impressive structures built of wood and straw and hay. And there are also many unimpressive structures built of pure gold. And we can stand before God with our magnificent structures of, of wood and hay and straw and hoping that he will be impressed Now you might be wrestling with the injustice and unfairness of life and you're dealing with persecution and loss because of your faith and as you struggle with that loss of a loved one or the trials that you face on a daily basis because of your health, you are building your golden hut on the solid foundation of Jesus Christ. It might not look like much in the eyes of this world, but in the eyes of God, it is precious and it is precious because it is for him. It is precious because he is in it and the gold of his presence is part of it. And as you build that structure, as unimpressive as it might seem in the eyes of the world, you can be assured that your labor is not in vain. It is not in vain because it is for him and it is not in vain because he is in it.